Church, we're in a series called The Miracles of Christmas. Say miracles. In, um, well, in today's teaching, I don't think you would disagree with me that it is a miracle when a star randomly appears in the sky, reappears, disappears, moves, stops, moves again. This is the miracle we're talking about today in this journey of these men following this magical moving star. You remember who the men were? Remember what the, their name? The wise men. Yeah, the wise men. The wise men's plight to go see the baby that has been born. And uh, it's, it's really important to understand that these wise men, these magi is what they were called. Magi is a group of scholars that, that study the stars. And the reason they study is the same reason that, that you study and I study. Um, they're looking for answers. The, the wise men were looking for answers. And I think this time of year, we all kind of look for answers, don't we? I mean, kids, you ask yourself questions. Questions like, does the elf on the shelf really watch me and determine if I'm being good or bad? I, I've said before at my house growing up, it wasn't the elf on the shelf that got me to behave. It was the belt on the shelf that got me to behave. Anyway, so just my upbringing. But uh, it, so, yeah, we ask ourselves questions. Is the elf on the shelf real? Is Santa real? If, if he is, how does he, like, get down the chimney? Especially when we don't have a chimney, right? Do we need to upgrade our security? Or what's going on here? We, we ask these questions about Christmas and about this time and this season. Back to the story, we could ask more questions about the wise men. In fact, you could answer them. For example, how many wise men were there? Three. That's what most people would say and think. But you know that's not accurate? It's not. We don't know how many wise men there were. The reason that you said three and the reason that most people say three is because the Bible says that they gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There were three different types of gifts. But there would have probably very likely been more wise men than three traveling. They would have traveled the distance of probably a thousand miles from Persia, which is modern-day Iran, to Bethlehem, and you would never travel in the desert like that with all that they, all the stuff they had, the valuable things they had, with just three people. So it was most likely more than three. But okay, question number two. You got the first one wrong. That's okay. I'll give you a, a clean slate. Um, were the wise men uh, there when Jesus was born? No, see, you know that because you're part of Meadows Church. And I, I, I normally rant on this about once a year and about this time. And this is that time, so welcome. So the wise men would not have been there when Jesus was born. So those nativity scenes, in fact, let's have some fun. I'm going to show you some nativity scenes. And we're going to say to ourselves, is it biblical? Because we're looking for answers today. Or is it not biblical? Biblical or not? Okay, so first one we see here. Okay, we got, we got Joseph, we got Mary, we got, I see a star in the sky, that's good. Sheep, that's just a bonus. Um, baby Jesus, I'm going to say biblical. Um, you, you agree with that? I think it is. That's a biblical, uh, the, the, the stable looks a little bit like it's got air conditioning. I mean, it, they could have probably done a little bit more with that, but, but we're going to say it's biblical. So yes, biblical nativity scene number two. Okay, we got... <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Mary, Joseph, baby Grogu. Of course it's... Okay. No. 
We don't believe that little baby Grogu uh, was at the nativity scene. If he was, the Bible doesn't indicate that. So we're going to go ahead and go on a limb and say not biblical. Okay, number three. Okay, so we've got... Okay, here's the reality right, right now. Half of the room sees a nativity scene, and the other half of the room sees two T-Rexes fighting over a table saw. So, I mean, we, it's just, what do you do? But assuming we're looking at the nativity scene of Joseph, Mary, baby, star, biblical, okay? You're never going to unsee that that way, are you? It's just ingrained in your head. Next one. Biblical or not biblical? Yay. Some of you changed your mind right in. You're like, biblical? Oh, wait, oh, no, no, not biblical. I see the wise men back there coming. And the wise men, again, they probably would not be in this scene because of the story that I'm going to share with you in about you know, 30 seconds. So we're going to say it's a beautiful scene and, 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 it's, and it's awesome, but the wise men in the back, mm, no, we're not going to buy it. Not biblical. Last but not least, biblical or not biblical? It's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I got to say not, just because you see the guy in the corner, you see the guy on the right, that camel, that camel throws it off with that person on it. So because of that, and we're going to assume that's one of the wise men, and, but it's a beautiful scene. It's got the beautiful star. It's got Mary and Joseph. It's got some animals and baby Jesus. But that, that camel with that person throws us off, we've got to say, not biblical. So enough of that. Enough of the, you know, looking for answers. Let's get into the story. Because, again, why were the wise men looking to the star? Because they were searching for answers. Why were they following the star? They were looking for answers. There are people here today, there are, there are those of you watching, listening online, you are looking and searching for answers. And some of the answers that you found over your life, it hasn't answered the question that you've had. And it hasn't filled the, the, maybe the void that you have. Together, you and I are going on a journey today in search of answers. We're going to join the wise men traveling to Bethlehem and we, we start in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from Easter lands arrived in Jerusalem. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, that seems like, well, just bear with me here. Where the newborn king, oh, excuse me, they asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed. Why? Because he's the king. And when you start mentioning other kings of the Jews, when he's the king of the Jews, uh, that's a threat. So King Herod's deeply disturbed when he heard it, as well as everyone in Jerusalem. Herod calls a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asks, Hey, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? He asked the smart Jewish people that would know the answer. They knew the answer. Like they, they quoted scripture in the Old Testament. And they said, it says, in Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what the prophet Micah wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. 
talking about the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, the Jesus. They quoted Micah 5.2. It's crazy because they knew the Word of God. They just didn't obey it. And they missed it. You, I'm telling you, there are so many people that we can quote Scripture and we can know Scripture, but we don't live Scripture. And there's a big difference, but, but I believe the Bible. I believe the Word of God. But the Scriptures that we truly believe are the Scriptures that we live out. They were, they were five miles away. They knew the prophecy. And they did not act on it. Just, it's just crazy. Let's continue the story, the journey. Verse 7. So Herod calls a private meeting with the wise men. And he learns from, the, he learns from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told the wise men, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. That wasn't true, but that's what he said. After the interview, the wise men went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, this magical moving transporting star, went ahead of them and stopped over a place where the child was. Notice it keeps referencing child at this moment, not not baby, but child. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. By this time, Mary and Joseph would have moved. They would not have been still at the stable uh, where there was no inn, but, you know, they would be in a house. They see the child with Mother Mary. They bow down and they worshiped Jesus. And then they opened those three gifts, those treasure chests, maybe more treasure chests, but three different types of gifts in them, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. See, when you meet Jesus, it'll change the route that you thought you were going on. It, they, they, leave, they leave on another ro- route. Why? Because they encounter the living king. Their lives are now threatened. God warns them in a dream not to go back to Herod. Because Herod's upset. And I'll show you in verse 16, a few verses after 12 here, what Herod does. It says, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under. Two years old. Based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance, that tells you that the wise men would have told Herod that the star appeared up to two years earlier when they started to look at it and discern it and decide, are we going to follow that magical star? That's how we would know that Jesus isn't still just a baby, but now more of a toddler. The bigger question, though, is this. How did they know these, they're Gentiles. They're, the, the wise men wouldn't be Jewish people. They're coming from another land in Persia. A Gentile, somebody, let's just not a Jew. And, but yet they know about the newborn king and they're going to follow the signs. How? Remember who they are. Remember they're scholars and, and they're bent towards research. They're bent towards looking for answers. They're bent towards being studiers. They would, the Old Testament had been written by now. We're quoting a lot of it. The, the, the Hebrew scriptures, if you will, are written. There would be copies available to them to read 
and research. Copies that would have 40 plus messianic prophecies pointing to the birth of Christ. Prophecies that would date back thousands of years all the way to Genesis. They would have access to all of that. And plus they were, as we know, looking for answers. But yet the Jewish people, these are the Gentile wise men, but yet the Jewish people, it's, it's crazy when you think about this. They're five miles away from the birth of Christ. The, the, one, the one they had waited for all their life. And they don't travel to go. And they totally miss it. I wrote down they wouldn't travel five miles for the one they'd been waiting for their, all their life. And do you know why? Here's why they didn't do it. Because Jesus wasn't who they were looking for. I'll say it again. They don't, let me put it a different way. The nativity scene in the minds of the Jewish people in Jerusalem was not the nativity scene of a peasant woman and some no-name carpenter having a kid in some, in some desolate field. That wasn't the scene that they had pictured their king, their savior would come from. How many of you know that you'll find what you're looking for? You know that, right? Like you will, every, all day long you will find. Do you know why I can find wise men in a nativity scene? Because I'm looking for them. Like I'm driving around, you know, in my car and looking at lawns. I'm like, oh, like this last week. I'm like, there's three wise men. Pull my car over, run out, grab the three wise men, shove them in the backseat. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But I think that, I think those things. I don't do them. <laughs> Local headlines Crazy pastor arrested for desecrating. Anyway, so it's just, but, but you find what you're looking for. You know that you want to find fault in your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your spouse. You're going to find it. It won't be hard. You want to find fault in your children. You're going to find it. Kids, you want to find fault in your teacher, right? You're going to find it. You find what you're looking for. You want to find fault in a church. It won't take you long to find it here. He's, he's talking. So you want to find fault in a pastor? Oh, my gosh. I'll give you an example because I have a lot of them. Um, this week, I have an appointment with a beautiful couple to meet. We're going we're gonna to gather and, and, and chat and get to know one another. We're going to meet at Buffalo Wild Wings. Not exactly Chick-fil-A Christian chicken, but a close second. So we're going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and I'm excited, and it's about 420, and I'm like, all right, well, I suppose I'm going to start getting ready because we're meeting, we're meeting at 5 o'clock. And all of a sudden, I get a text from, from, from the gal of the couple. And she's like, hey, we're just, we're here. We're wondering if we're still meeting at 4 o'clock. And I was like, oh, you know how you feel? And I'm like, I just, I'm like, oh, yes, I can't believe my, my assistant told me 5 o'clock. My dumb assistant, and that's me. I'm my assistant. So, I mean, I'm like, oh, I'm so, you just panic. I jumped in my car. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. And everybody else driving, get behind me too, because I'm speeding in the name of Jesus. And I did. So I was only 40 minutes late. That's how perfect I am as a pastor. So it's just, you'll find what you're looking for. And you'll, you'll, you realize really quick that Meadows is far from a perfect church. But the one thing you'll also notice if you look for it, we are ruthless about pointing you to a perfect God. And if you will follow him, I can promise you, he will change your life. It's what he's in the business of doing. If you don't want him to change you, he won't. If you don't want the, 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 the message to resonate, I promise you it won't. 
If you come with an open heart, the Lord will work in you. If you come with a closed heart and you're looking for a closed heart, you could have just probably stayed home. It's just, that's the way it works. You know this. They followed the star because they were looking for answers. But here's what's crazy. When they get to the house, not, not the stable, but the house, and they see the child, not the baby, an answer isn't what they found. Instead of finding an answer, they found, they found Jesus. That's what they found. And, and how they react gets me every time. Because notice what they did. What they do immediately. It's, the, Bible says, the Bible says they bowed down and they worshiped and then they gave. So they give worship, they have joy, they give gifts. And I just thought to myself this week, how different are we? Okay, I'll, maybe I'll point the finger at me much of my life. When I, would, when I would seek God or I would go to God or pray to God, it's like it wasn't, it was, it was like the exact opposite posture. I'm like, God, you need to come looking for me. Not me go looking for you. And God, you need to reveal yourself to me. And you need to prove yourself to me. And you need to show yourself to me. And you need to, you know, explain yourself to me, God, because I don't understand why you did this or you let that happen or you allowed that. And as for giving, God, you need to give to me. You need to give me blessings. You need to give me gifts. But listen, we don't seek Jesus. We do not seek the Lord. And worship him for what we can get. We worship for who he is. And this is what they did. That's what they did. They went and they worshiped for who he was. And they're not even Jewish. It was just so insane. So crazy. So to say all that is to say true worship isn't what we get. It's, it's how we give. They gave praise and they gave worship to to Jesus, and so many people think, and don't, singing is a form of worship, right? But so I hear people all the time, well, when we, we, we first we had the worship, and then there was some uh, prayer, and then there was the message, and then we closed with worship, and I'm like, worship, singing is just a small sliver of worship. Anything giving glory to God is worship, but if it was just singing that was worship, some of us could never worship, right? At least not well. I'm just saying, but my mom said I was a good singer. Okay, it was your mom, okay? She also said you were her favorite, okay? It doesn't add up. I'm just saying. <laughs> so worship. And by the way, you're all worshiping something or someone. You're all investing in something or someone. You're all giving to something or someone. You're all following something or someone. My question is who or what? Who or what are you following? Who or what? Are you following? The wise men followed a star, and it led them to Jesus. Who or what are you following, and where are they taking you? <laughs> who or what are you following, and is who or what you're following leading you closer to Jesus? These are huge questions, questions that you should reflect on big time. Because we just said earlier, everybody's following something or someone you are if you don't think you are, you, I'm telling you, you are. We all are. Who or what is it? That's the first thing to define. And is that who or what leading you, like the star led them, closer to the Christ, closer to your hope? The star led them directly to Jesus. Actually, you know what? That's not true. I, I, let me, I recant. And this is strange. The star didn't lead them directly to Jesus, did it? It didn't. You ever notice that? 
The star led them to Jerusalem. If it didn't, they would have not stopped at Jerusalem asking for directions. No guy wants to do that. They had to do that. They had to go and ask Herod and ask the Jewish scholars and the religious people, where is the newborn king of the Jews to be born? I'm like, why? That's interesting. God, why? Number one, you didn't have to use a star, but he used a star because he wanted to reach the astrologers that are going to be looking in the sky. It, it, this is crazy. So the star leads them to Jerusalem, and not five miles. It, it leads them later, but they first stop in Jerusalem. And I'm like, why is that? And here's what I believe. Understand something. God uses people to accomplish his purpose. You know that, right? God didn't have to use any of this stars and stuff and wise, man, wise men. He didn't have to do any of that. But he chose to use people. See, here's what I love, and I wrote it down. God wanted to reach everybody. See, God wasn't just looking to reach the wise men. He wanted to, but here's what I picture God in heaven. Like, okay, we're going to send them to Jerusalem. Because maybe when my people, the Jewish nation, maybe when they ask, hey, where's the newborn king going to be born? Maybe when they open to Micah and they read Bethlehem, Judea, it'll hit them. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's happening. After all these years, it's happening. Wise men, we will go with you to Bethlehem. Herod, you think, you think God wanted to reach Herod? I guarantee you he did. But Herod was trying to kill the son of God. I know, but we do dumb things every day that turn against God. And God never quits reaching out to us. God loved Herod. Didn't love what Herod did or what he stood for, but he loved Herod. God wanted to reach him. And God's thinking, if I send him there, if I do this, then my, my own people, my, my chosen people, the Jewish nation, will go. This is so crazy. He didn't send him to Bethlehem. He sent him to Jerusalem. It's just I've never, and it's embarrassing to even say it, but I've never seen it that way before. I've never noticed that they just don't go directly into Bethlehem. Gosh. For God so loved the world, he wanted to reach the wise men. He wanted to reach the Jewish people, the scholars, the religious scribes. He wanted to reach Herod. And like we learned last week, the invitation is wide open, especially to those who know that they know they're messed up, right? I'm telling you, so I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Jesus or your, your non-relationship with Jesus, but I'm telling you, regardless of what you believe or don't believe, regardless of whether you behave or don't behave, Jesus Christ invites you today to follow him. Nobody else, him, regardless this is, and the more messed up you know you are, it's like the more he invites you in, right? I haven't come for the righteous. I've come for those who know they're jacked up. You know, people like Meadows Church, they know that they know that they know. So I, I just love that. So let's just, let's go with that. God in, invites us that know we're messed up in. We're invited. Say, I'm invited. See, for example, you leave the toilet seat up at home, you're invited, right? Even if you do that. You're invited. You, make, you, you use cuss words that make the devil blush. You're invited. I'm just saying, God says you're invited. You claim your dog as a dependent on your taxes. You might be going to jail, but you're still invited. You know what I'm saying? You drive habitually slow in the left lane. 
your, oh, I can't do. Lord, I need you right now. I cannot. I don't want to say it. Fine, you're invited. But God still hates the way you drive. I'm just, he does. Stop, knock it off. He invites those who know they are messed up. That should give you great, great hope. Here's something else that I've never really determined or, or really looked at. Uh, for the first thing was, the star didn't go directly to Bethlehem. It went to Judea, or to Jerusalem, then to Bethlehem. What's God doing? God's always maneuvering for his people, always trying to love his people better, always trying to lead them better, always trying to get them close to him, wooing you in by the power of his Holy Spirit right now. That's what he's doing. I put this down. There's no biblical record of anyone else ever observing this star of Bethlehem, as we call it. Nobody. Nobody said, hey, I saw it too. Herod didn't say, oh my gosh, you're looking, oh wow, that's crazy. Joseph didn't say, oh, there it is, the star. There's no record of anyone seeing it besides the wise men. Here's my question. Was anyone else looking? Was anyone else looking? It I mean, think of how their life was transformed. These, these secular astrologer men Reading the word of God, this is how the word of God will change you. Reading Old Testament scripture. So, so let me give you the, a, a quick rundown of how their life was changed. These, these magi, these wise men, they read and believe the word of God. They sought Jesus. They went after Jesus. When they found Jesus, they recognized him as the son of God. They bow down below before him and they worship him. Not because they were special, the wise men. Not because they were royalty or kings or because they were good. We don't worship God because we're good. We worship God because he is good. King of kings, Lord of lords, savior of the world. They, how do they get it? We have such a hard time. They just gave you the formula for sanctification. Growing in Christ is what that means. So amazing. Who or what are we following? And is that what we're following leading us closer to Jesus? I always talk to the men of the households first. And if there's not a men in your household, ladies, then, uh, then it's on you too. You're in it together and you're equal. But, but the men, if, if there's a man in that household, he should be leading his family. Closer to Jesus. And if he's out of the picture, and we know that's common, then, then, then she will lead her family closer to Jesus. This is what we do as followers. And people will say, I'm, but I, I'm there. I'm with you, Pastor. I believe in Jesus. But that's not what I said. I said, are you following? See, there's a lot of self-proclaimed Christians that believe in Jesus, but they ain't following him anywhere. Nowhere. I like to say it this way. Many believe, including the devil, the demons, and a lot of people, few follow. Many believe, few follow. Did the Jewish people in Jerusalem believe in the Messiah? Yep. Did they believe he was going to be coming? Yep. Did they believe and love the Lord? They would tell you with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. 
They didn't follow. They didn't follow. And here's, and here's how you know. So, Because this is really like, okay, gosh, I believe, but am I following? Here's, how, here's, it, here's just one indicator to know if you're following Jesus. Has he interfered with your life? That's, that's huge. There is no way to follow Jesus without him interfering with your life. That is impossible. There's no way. So, so if your life looked a certain way and then you start coming to church, but your life still looks that certain way, you're going to church, but you're probably not following Jesus. Okay? It, it, and and, and that, if that's you, praise God, you know. That was me for many, many years. So I don't, no judgment here, I'm telling you that. There's no way to follow him without him interfering with your life. Has he interfered with your life? Are you following him? We celebrate every weekend people making a decision to surrender their lives to Christ. We will never stop celebrating that because that is the beginning of follow. But, but I'm going to just, just say it. Making a decision about Jesus isn't the same as following him. It's the beginning of following him. But there's, there's people that make decisions and for whatever reason, God knows and I don't. And I've been this person. I made a decision about Jesus. I made a decision. But I didn't follow him anywhere. I followed my, myself and my desires and my friends and my wants and my money and my things and my job, my career. That's what I would follow all day long. And nothing changed when it comes to, to, to me and God. Think about it this way. I wrote this down too. Following Jesus many times mean, means you're unfollowing something or someone else. Ask Casey Comstock. I love him. But Casey and the team that are in Bennington, Nebraska right now at Crossover Church preaching the word of God, they had to, you can't go to both Meadows and Crossover, so they had to stop Meadows and start Crossover. And as hard as that is, and as hard as that is for them and for us, to truly follow the calling that God had on their life, that's what they had to do. Many times you have to unfollow to follow. What are, you, what are you supposed to unfollow today? Who should you be unfollowing today so that you can follow Jesus more closely? Is he interfering with your life? I want to show you a picture of dear friends of Jody's and mine. This is a picture of our family with uh, George and Ashley uh, Clark and their beautiful family. And that we've known the Clarks for, uh, God, it's almost got to be 10 years. Knew them in Sioux Falls when I was a campus pastor at the church where I was saved at years earlier. Um, they, their lives transformed at Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls. And we start getting to know each other. And then we get the call uh, seven years ago. Jody and I were like, oh, we're going to, we're supposed to be part of a church plant and starting this thing in, in the Omaha area. And, and families, and, you know, Sarah, and Bryce, and Pete, and Kendra, and Shelly, and others, or uh, Bryce, Cassie, uh, Nicole, uh, Eric, all the, they're like, they, they're like, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. Uh, trust me, ask any of them. Jesus interfered heavily with their life, and their family, and their house, and their job, and their money, all that. So, George and Ashley were part of that crew. They're like, we, we, we made a decision that we're going to be part of this um, church. Well, they, it didn't happen right away. They, they, for reasons that they can tell you about, and we don't have time to talk about, they, the call was still there, but they, they were still in Sioux Falls. 
for, for, for years. Like, but every year we were connected. Every year they would come down and visit at least once or twice a year. And we would gather together. And, we, and every time they, they, they would visit, we would end up, before they leave, in my living room. Circled up, holding hands, praying to God. God, show us your will. Show us what you want. Give us faith. Give us courage. Give us, give us your power to do what you're calling us to do, whatever that looks like. Every year. In fact, the last time they visited, um, by his right, seven months ago, and I'll never forget it because we were at the Omaha Zoo, and there was like, it, it, there was a, I would tell you, downpour. It was a torrential, like, tsunami at the zoo. It was like George and I contemplated building an ark. I'm like, should we do it? I mean, I think it's happening. The animals are all right here. It's great. So it was like everything lined up. So they leave, we pray, and they leave that, that time. But, but the conversations that time were different, especially with Ashley. You, hearing her saying some things about some different stuff, just, just like it was with Jody, as, as God worked in her about where we're called to go and what we're called to do. And uh, so we knew God's really stirring, and this has been six years now. So we thought, okay, they're going to keep praying, and they're going to keep seeking, but God's moving. God's moving. Oh, well, he was moving a little quicker than I thought because uh, George and Ashley get home and George calls me not long after that and he says, we're moving. And I said, oh my gosh, praise God, it is happening. I said, well, that's awesome. What's the timeline? He said, one month. I'm like, what? One month? He said, yep. And he meant it because a, a month after that conversation, them and their family had moved everything from Sioux Falls to Omaha. And the reason they would tell you is because we want to be a church, part of a church called Meadows and give our lives away for the kingdom of God. It's nuts. I mean, to hear that from somebody, that's not normal. But you don't want normal. You're Meadows Church. You're weird, and you know it. And that's what you want. You don't want to be normal. You don't want to be like everybody else. God's called you to be different. I would encourage you, if you see George on the host team, Ashley and kids ministry, ask them their story. Ask them, ask them what it's been like. Ask them how easy it's been since they've been here. It, it hasn't. And they're in the will of God. If you're comfortable, you're probably not in the will of God. If Jesus isn't interfering or pushing or prodding, you're probably not in the will of God. Their life is probably more difficult right now than maybe it's been in the last, well, six years. Ask him if they'd trade it for the world. Ask him if God is using them to invite others that give their lives to Christ. Ask him if they're having conversations that if you heard about what they were talking about with other people, it would blow you away. Ask them. That's their story. What's yours? See, following Jesus is going to, it's going to cost you something. I mean, he's going to interfere with your life. The cost of following Jesus is great, but I contend the cost of not following him is so much greater. We always remind ourselves at Meadows that our life is, well, it ain't much here. Your life is what's coming. God wants you to follow him. God wants to interfere in a beautiful way. Not an easy way, a beautiful way. Jeremiah 29, 13, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I think George and Ashley would tell you, God was getting all their heart. It takes time. Sometimes it takes years and years and years 
for God to truly get our heart. These are not easy things. The wise men, did they follow the star right away? I don't think they did. If it appeared two years earlier, I don't believe it took two years to go from Persia to Bethlehem. It should take some months. I wonder how long they looked at the star and contemplated. Do we do it? We're going to look like idiots, grabbing all of our stuff, all of our, all of our bling, all of our, and we're going to travel on these camels, and people are going to like wonder what we're doing. How long did they pray and contemplate even taking the trip? We don't think about stuff like that. We just think, oh, it happened, it was easy. No, no, no. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. God has not called you to easy. He's just called you to faithfulness and abundance and purpose. It starts with him, though. And it does start with a decision. I don't say that lightly, like decisions don't matter. They matter, but they're not the end, they're the beginning. Jesus Christ didn't say a baby. We know he became a child, then he became an adult, and then he died on a cross for you and for me. By the way, inviting, God interferes with your life when you invite, doesn't he? It's, it's challenging, it it's stretches you. But if you have no desire to invite to even invite someone to the number one service out of the year that people might go to, you're probably not following. You probably just, you, maybe you made a decision about who Jesus is, but you're not following. Because it's not easy. Well, it's hard. I know. It's uncomfortable. But I'm telling you, people are so receptive. Invite, invite, invite for next weekend. Let's watch what God does. But back to you. Jesus Christ died on a cross to take away your sins. Oh, I hope you hear this. He died because something has to come to life, and he wants you to. He would have did it for Herod. He did do it for Herod. He did it for all of us, regardless of where you've been or what you've done. And when you believe he did that, and then you believe that three days later he rose from the dead, and you say, I believe that. I want to put my faith in that. I need forgiveness for the heinous things I think and say and do, and he'll forgive you for every one of them. He wants to. He died to. When you sell out to the gospel, you are saved by God's grace through faith. Believe Jesus Christ. Believe the Christmas story. Believe he's the son of God. And then surrender to him. So let him interfere. Let him interfere with your schedule and your kids' activities and your job or your checkbook or whatever it is. Allow him to interfere whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. Let him do it. I love Christmas time. I love praying over you and your family. But I'll say what I said when we started the series. There's a lot of people that will celebrate Christmas this year, and they'll have the tree like you do and the gifts like you do, and they'll have the, the sayings that are biblical like you do and even the nativity scene, hopefully the correct one, but you know what I'm saying. Um, and they made a decision about who Jesus is. They believe but their life doesn't look any different than anybody else. No different. We don't come to church to come to church. We come to church to be the church and leave as the church and be the church to those that need the church. God wants to change you here today. I pray that as we sing this final song and the prayer team comes up, that you will, leaders talking to you first, that you would come and get prayer and that others would follow because we need it. Pray for boldness to invite. Pray for uh, uh, the Holy Spirit to guide you with who you're following. Where are they leading you? Who do you need to unfollow? These are bold questions.
These are questions that you must answer. God, God will give you the answer, I promise you. Father, these wise men, they were so far from perfect, fallen men, sinners, but you used them in your story because they were obedient. They did what they were called to do. They followed a star that led them to the star of all stars, Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for your church. I thank you for challenging us today about who are we truly following. And if we say it's Jesus, how is he really interfering with our life? In what ways is he interfering with our lives? Changing us, making us uncomfortable. When that happens, God, it's a beautiful thing. And it changes our lives and it changes our trajectory and it changes lives around us. Father, on the, on the eve, weekend eve of Christmas Eve and Christmas, give us the strength and courage, God, to invite one person this week, a friend, a family member, a coworker, someone that we haven't connected with in a long time, but you lay them on our heart. Give us, give us the courage to do it. May we do it. May you anoint it and do whatever you, you have your way with them, whatever that looks like. We're so worthy. We're so unworthy of your love, God, but you give it. We're unworthy of your grace, but you give it. We're unworthy of your mercy, but you give it. Thank you for Jesus. Because of the cross and the resurrection, we have hope. I pray there are people here today that will make a decision, but then follow that decision up with following. If they do, their lives will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray, and the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.